Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, hey, Heart of Dating family, it's Kate Borman, your host here, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. You are in for a treat because our guest, Dr. Morgan Francis, brings some major truth to the area of body image today. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. But before we get into this, I want to ask you a few questions. I get so many emails and DMs about online dating, and so I just want to ask you a few things. Have you guys ever felt that online dating is a waste of time? Maybe you're unsure how to get online and actually meet quality people. Or maybe you're worn out by all the swipe lefts and swipe rights. Maybe you feel too busy to try online dating because it feels like a waste of time. Or maybe you're unsure of where to even begin, what apps to use, or what to put on your profile. You guys, if this is you and you are feeling worn out by the online dating culture and you want to shift your mindset, you want to actually know how to set up your profile, you want to learn who to swipe right to and figure out how to DM strategically to get it to a real life date, then I want to invite you to my incredible workshop with my amazing friend, Kat Harris, who is also a relationship advocate and the founder of The Refined Woman. We are hosting a live two-hour workshop for women on February 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific. You can sign up for this incredible workshop by going to bit.ly forward slash Christian Online Dating 101. That's bit.ly forward slash Christian Online Dating 101. This workshop is going to be all about online dating 101 and how to actively and successfully date as a Christian woman. By the way, if you can't make it to the live workshop, you're going to get a replay of the entire thing sent to your email. So even if you're busy that night, still sign up. You'll get the entire workshop sent to you. Also, if you want to be kept in the loop about our future workshops, then you could also go ahead and visit bit.ly forward slash Kate Cat workshops and be the first to know about our next workshops we have coming up and maybe even get a little discount. Friends, so I am so thrilled about the conversation I had today with Dr. Morgan Francis. Many of you know I've been working on writing a book that's coming out in 2021, and part of this process has been studying a variety of topics, one of them being body shame and body image. So today, I had the privilege of sitting down with a brand new friend, Dr. Morgan Francis, to talk about body image and body shame and its effect on dating. Dr. Morgan Francis is a doctor of clinical psychology and a licensed mental health therapist, as well as a wife and mother to three children in Scottsdale, Arizona. She is the owner of Scottsdale Premier Counseling in Scottsdale. Her mission is to break through the mental health shame game. With over 20 years of experience specializing in the treatment of body image and eating disorders, Dr. Francis can empower you to make peace with your body and food. Dr. Francis believes that for too long, society has been embracing diet culture and pushing you to believe how you look is not good enough. No matter how thin or fit you are, you cannot outrun the pressures that surround you. The transformation of loving and appreciating your body happens internally, not externally. Dr. Francis has developed online courses on body image and self-love that will help you to take back your life. She's also been featured on a variety of events and news outlets from the Powerhouse Women's event and was even recognized by Lululemon as a female leader making a difference for her inspiring work on body image. She's also a frequent guest on Fox 10 News as an expert in the mental health field. Guys, I cannot tell you enough how much I loved this conversation with Dr. Morgan Francis. Her work is powerful, and the conversation we had today on body shame is so pertinent, both for individually in our everyday lives, and also it affects directly how we show up in our dating relationships. So get ready to listen to this powerful conversation with Dr. Morgan Francis. Dr. Morgan Francis, welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast today. 
Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here today. <laughs> I am so excited. And I just got to call out, Morgan, I love that the real life podcasting situation because you are committed to this uh, process. Will you just tell everyone where you're recording from right now? <laughs> yeah, this is actually so funny. So I'm sitting in my closet and I have one of my children's chairs that I'm sitting in um, <laughs> and I just got a brand new puppy and he is adorable, but he's also not loving the crate. And I knew if I had him in the crate, cause it was in my bedroom, there would be no way that I could, you know, record this podcast without hearing the howling in the background. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, I like locked myself in the closet. I moved him into the laundry room. I'm sitting in my kid's little chair. You know, we just, we make it work. <laughs> Hashtag committed. I mean, girl, this is so the story of my life. I was just telling you, I've done this podcast for coming up on two years, never had a studio and I'm not that fancy with it. I just have my equipment. I can bring it wherever I go. And I just like do it from random places in my apartment, wherever I feel is quiet that day. <laughs> so yes. I mean, it is what it is. Sometimes sirens go by. Sometimes the mailman starts like ringing my doorbell incessantly and we just go with it, you know? So I appreciate your commitment. <laughs> Absolutely. I wasn't going to let anything get in the way. So I'm here. <laughs> I love it. Oh, uh, well, Morgan, I'm so just thrilled. It was awesome to be connected to you. And I love the work you're doing for people who don't know who you are. Will you just share a little bit of about who you are, what you do? Yes. So I am a doctor of clinical psychology. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I reside in the state of Arizona in Scottsdale, and I'm the owner and founder of Scottsdale Premier Counseling, and I provide therapeutic services for individuals, couples, and family members, and I specialize in the treatment of body image, emotional eating, eating disorders, sexual health, grief mm -hmm. and loss, and all the things, right? Oh so, um, so yes, I've been practicing for, oh my goodness now, I think I'm coming up on 20 years. I can't wow. even believe it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God. Time just flies, but you are come highly recommended. I know we have a mutual friend and she just raves about how incredible you are, how wise you are, how encouraging you are. And ever since I found out about who you are, I've been following along and like, okay, this woman is legit. She is really amazing. And you talk about so many incredible subjects, Morgan, but something I do really love that you do is you also help people to really really feel empowered in their own bodies. And body image is such a big topic in terms of how we see ourselves and how we even show up in dating. It affects how we show up in dating. And we've never had a conversation about body image on the podcast. And so I'm really excited because uh, I think that a lot of people are like, what body image and dating? I'm like, yeah, it has a, it actually is huge. And so I kind of want to open up the discussion and talk about this more. And maybe we could just start simple and tell us how would you really define body image? So how I define body image is our thoughts, our attitudes, our feelings, and our behaviors regarded to the way that we look. Mm -hmm. So all the way from our toes all up to our head. And there are many things that can affect the development or ideology of our body image, mm -hmm. friends, culture, parents, genetics. So there's many factors and it's really important to understand how much of our body image makes up the pie of our self-concept. So the con self-concept is how we see ourselves, um, meaning who are we? And so many times if we make a big stew and all these things go into making up our self-concept, so our morals, our values, our relationships, career, our family, another ingredient is body image. But mm -hmm. what happens is that the ingredient of body image dominates the rest of the ingredients. So everything becomes about our appearance. Mm, wow, that could not be more true. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that do, you mentioned a few of them, but like how do we get into wherever we are today with the image that we might have for our bodies? I know that might be unique to people, but what are some of the things that might shape how big that piece of the stew becomes for us? Well, and generally um, we see three factors that negatively affect our body image the most. So media and diet culture, family and peers, and then traumatic events or experiences. Mm -hmm. So it's important if you are struggling with, you know, appreciating or even liking, I don't even use the word loving because many of us are not even at that place yet, but right. liking the way that we look, then it's going to be important to explore with potentially a licensed professional counselor, someone that, it, you know, 
is experienced in training this area so that they can help you understand and uncover the wounds that led you to having a negative body image. Mm, so you said media and diet culture. That makes mm-hmm. so much sense to me. I mean, I feel like that's probably to me the one that seems the most prominent, even though some of the other ones might be deeper because they might be more personal. But I'm just thinking personally how it's affected me like wow I mean Kardashians things like that that really impact like how we should what body image should be for me as a woman and then you said family and peers that makes a lot of sense and then traumatic experiences was that it yes traumatic experiences and I define trauma is a loss of connection to the self how early can this stuff start affecting us you know like because I feel like as innocent children we don't necessarily have as much of a concept of this. So in your opinion, like how does that kind of develop? Where do we really become more aware of these things? You know, it's really devastating to see the research as coming out as early as five years old. So when kindergartners were asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, we would most likely want to hear, you know, astronaut or scientist or basketball player or nurse or teacher. And what we're seeing is that these kids will say these things and also desire to be thin and pretty. Mm, oh my gosh. We're, and they're getting that mainly from like all the those influences you just said. Like it's, it's so interesting because I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's different. I don't know the history, but like, I don't feel like it used to be this way exactly. Well, it's, you know, it's hard to know if it used, if it's always been this way or we're just being able to test and assess this more because mm-hmm. it is, you know, such a predominant part of how we live and engage with ourselves and or others. Mm-hmm. But what's important to understand with childhood development is that children learn through social modeling, Mm -hmm. meaning monkey see, monkey do. So you could have a child be very benign when it comes to their body image, but then they watch their mom struggle with her yo-yo dieting and, or step on the scale and, you know, give a very negative reaction to the number she sees or look in the mirror and start criticizing the way that she looks and, you know, maybe, you know, saying, oh, I can't eat that. You know, mommy's going to have a salad tonight, but you can have your spaghetti. And so all of those types of interactions, the child files in their data bank. And then what happens is they start to think, well, if mom doesn't think she's beautiful and I think mom's the most beautiful person because she's my mom, then what does that say about me? And so one of the biggest questions I get asked by parents, especially mothers, is how do I make sure that my daughter and son have a healthy body image? And my initial reaction is, oh, my goodness, they want to make sure that their child doesn't hate their body the way that they have always hated their body. And so I let them know it starts with you. If you want your child to have a healthy relationship with their body, then you have to model a healthy relationship with yours. Mm, that's so true because I'm thinking that like and personalizing it, but it, it's like no matter how much almost our parents could say you're beautiful or you're attractive or you're handsome if you're a man, like if they can say that to you, but then if they're modeling something else out, like that they're really self-conscious about their body or they're, they're really careful about what they eat and they're obsessively careful, like we're going to pick up on those things, maybe almost even more than the messages we're getting told. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up, I mean, my mom was so wonderful and she always gave me praise and affirmation and was very positive towards me, but it was no secret that I saw her struggle with her own relationship with her body weight, shape, and size. And my mom is an amazing, beautiful woman. And so I could see how much she struggled. And therefore, when I became older, then I adapted those, you know, struggles myself because that's exactly what happens. It's we model what we see. And so it's really important. And of course, she, you know, meant no harm. She would never, you know, want to ever hurt me. But, you know, she was struggling with her own body image. So I really encourage any parents and or aunts or coaches or anyone that comes in contact with children to really start to be mindful of your self-talk and and how you talk about weight and appearance and how much time, attention, and mental resources you're putting into your appearance. Mm, So good. I think this is something for us, even people who are single and processing, like this is such a good thing to think of, okay, what has shaped you going back to the roots? Like maybe the reasons why they've never dove into why they're so self-conscious about their body could really result in some 
childhood messaging. And this is so good to know now because if we want to be parents one day for all the single people listening, these are things we should be conquering right now for many reasons for ourselves, but then also for the future of our children. Absolutely. And I, and I say this a lot like in youth groups. So I think that's a really good opportunity to model healthy relationships with regards to our body when you're around young adults and youth groups and educating them on yeah. developing healthy relationships with your body. So good. Now to take all this a step further, I want to kind of also talk about how body image affects how we personally show up in dating relationships, because I could tell stories all day long of how it's impacted me, but I'd love to just hear from you, from your opinion, how does this impact kind of how individuals, both male and female are showing up in their romantic relationships? Oh, yes. I mean, this is a really great topic. And because it's it's there's so much research showing that a negative body image can negatively affect our self-esteem, mm-hmm. negatively affect our gender identity. So when my body changes in shape or size, I may not feel as feminine or masculine based on how it looks. It also can lead to increased interpersonal anxiety. So mm-hmm. how I feel in the space with you, and therefore I may feel worrisome and or you know restless about the way that I look. It also can lead to social isolation. So if I'm not liking the way that I look and I feel like, oh, I've, I'm too overweight or I've, I've put on too much weight, I'm not going to be likely to go out there and you know go out on a date because I'm right. going to feel self-conscious about the way that I look. Mm-hmm. We also see um, an avoidance of sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. So we may not you know feel safe and or want to engage in any type of sexual activity because mm-hmm. we're feeling self-conscious about the way that we look. It can also lead to an increase of depression. So we feel hopeless and helpless. And then the main thing too, that we're recognizing through research is that it really can create a shame. So when our very own bodies fill us with, you know, disgust and feelings of worthlessness, shame can fundamentally change who we are and how we approach the world, specifically the dating world. Yeah. So it's the woman who is afraid to speak up and say, oh, I really actually would love to go to Chipotle tonight because she doesn't want to be judged on what she picks to where to go to eat. It could be, you know, the, the person who's got, you know, the crooked teeth, who is afraid to smile to their partner because they may question, you know, they're fearful. Like if I speak up, they may they'll question my value or contributions. Shame is just, it shows up because it's so critical of our size and shape. You know, it's when we maybe, you know, meet somebody for the first time and we're so worried about how they're initially going to react to our appearance. So there's many layers that our body shame and a negative body image can, can affect the way that we interact in the dating world. You know, that's something so interesting too that you're bringing up because I think oftentimes I find that I'm coaching people or talking to people who are like, oh my gosh, I just can't get on a date or I just can't, I don't have good dating experiences. And I think it's almost not as much like how many dating experiences you're having, but how are you showing up on them, right? Because, or Mm. like even just when you meet people, if you're, if someone's not asking you out, for example, if you don't feel someone's interested in you, I wonder if some of that is reflecting because we're not giving off an energy that's confident that because Mm. it comes back to like what I always say is like, how can someone else love you if you don't love you? And so I think there's a level that we can, we energetically experience that without being like too woo woo spiritual. I do believe that we give off like an energy that says I'm confident or I'm not, <laughs> you know? And- oh, absolutely. And this is really goes to the social psychology term confirmation mm-hmm. bias. So mm-hmm. if I don't love myself or I think of myself as ugly or unattractive, then I am going to subconsciously seek out partners that affirm my confirmation. Mm, wow. So they would go for somebody who isn't as attractive. Would that be what it They would go or- for somebody who confirms their own deepest fears about themselves. Oh, wow. So you might find a person that is then critical of the way that you look, oh, who is not accepting, who has judgment, right? So mm. that's the confirmation bias that we, you know, subconsciously will, will put ourselves in because we attract, just like you were saying, like right. the energy we put out is the energy that we're going to attract. Oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. And that's why it's like so often when I'm coaching people, I'm like, okay, you guys, it's not just like, I'm not just hitch here trying to help you get on a date. Yes, I want to do that. (laughs) Like, that's great. But we need to address some of these things first and confidence and the way we perceive ourselves and body image being a huge part in that stew is one of the biggest parts I find that we have to do. And something that like, 
I have also had to work through. It's been a huge journey of mine, still a journey. And something you touched on too, just like even in the sexual avoidance of sexual intimacy, even though like most of our listeners as Christians, we are avoiding having sex. There's still a level of that we feel really disconnected from our sexuality and from even being able to be sensual. And so because of that, if we see our body image in such a way or we have negative body image, we're showing up not being able to flirt, not being able to like be sensual in any way and I believe there's nothing wrong with being sensual in a dating relationship we need to be sensual Jesus was sensual it's about experiencing the senses and interacting with someone in terms of the senses and so I've just seen that happen a lot especially in faith-based relationships we cut that off and then we have this very stale interaction with somebody that is very one-dimensional that is it making any sense (laughs) it makes complete sense and I'm so glad that you um, made that point because that's so important because with the term sexual intimacy it that's not meaning sexual intercourse right that's meaning like you said um sensuality femininity masculinity Mm -hmm. and physical touch so physical touch could be a hug a physical touch could be Mm hand-holding um i had a friend in college that i don't know the term or the name for it but she would sweat and so her hands were constantly sweaty So she was so insecure about holding anybody's hand. And it wasn't until we became, you know, close friends that she confided and shared with all of us about her insecurity. So as, as part of her sisterhood, we made sure to always hold her hand. You know, we got you girl, give me your hands. And because we we loved her anyways, we wouldn't, we would never want her to feel self-conscious about her hands being, you know, moist or, well, gosh, it's such a bad word. I hate that word. I, I hate the word moist too. <laughs> my, if my sister was here, she would be covering her ears and putting her, her hands in her ears right now. <laughs> I didn't know what other word to use, but you all know what I'm trying to yes, say. Yes, yes. Um, so anyway, so it could, it could be anything regarding physical touch. And you also mentioned flirtatious behavior. Yeah. And I, and I love that because that's that, you know, that fun, you know, that's where, I don't know, the the dating aspect can be really so fun and yes. adventurous with flirting. But if we are feeling, you know, obviously self-conscious about ourselves, we really will make ourselves small. Um, mm-hmm. And meaning in our wellness and our mental capacity, we, we just don't think that we, we are capable. And right. so it's so important, you know, to look at your relationship with your body image so that you can obviously show up for yourself, but then also be a, a great partner for your partner. Right. And I think some of the things we're bringing up like flirtation and physical touch of any kind, a lot of Christians like kind of put that in a, almost a shame-based box. And because of that, like leading to your last point about negative body image of shame, it changes how they show up and they feel like the, they almost shame those things in their mind. And mm. it's just what I've been trying to also work with women and men to figure out is like, y'all, this is not bad. There's a difference between like the desire and intent. You can flirt with somebody. But you flirting with somebody doesn't mean you have to have sex with somebody. <laughs> like, let's oh, just say right, that right, right now, right? Yes. And yes. it's totally okay. Like, God created us as sensual beings and said all of us was good. And that, yes, we, we follow certain parameters to guard our hearts in terms of abstinence. But, like, it doesn't mean that we should be disconnected from our sexualities. And I think a lot of that stems from just the way we have shame towards our bodies overall. Mm-hmm. And this is just like that goes into a whole other conversation we've touched on a little bit you know and you mentioned a point as well Morgan about just how it even shows up and affects our feminine and masculine energy within dating and Mm -hmm. I'd love to kind of talk about that even a little bit more because I've seen this play out even for me personally so maybe we could talk a little bit about that yeah, I mean, there's so much pressure for men and women to hold the ideal image. And 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 this is really the, the beauty myth yeah. ideal. And the ideal image has really greatly changed over time. So, right. you know, in the 1920s during the flapper era, you know, women were supposed to, you know, bind you know, like their breasts. So take tape yeah. and make themselves as flat as possible. Long and slender was the look. Many of them were taking supplements to help them, you know, restrict their, their diets and, and be very thin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as, as time went on and after the war, we saw um, women more at home and this, you know, curvaceous Marilyn Monroe type of um, ideal came out. And there really wasn't much focus 
on men's body shape and size until I would say that the seventies where Mm -hmm. like the hippie era came out and still for men, it was, you know, stick thin, lean, minimal muscle tone. And then it wasn't until, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the Hulk came out and He-Man with these cartoon characters that really embrace like this uber masculine look of large muscles and strength and power and dominance. And then for women, we saw more of a like, you know, the fit kind of look, but also still the supermodel with um, in the (laughs) 80s with, you know, Sports Illustrated, because they're still extremely thin. But now there's, you know, there's some kind of maybe muscle tone to them. I'm not really sure. But, you know, then in the 90s, obviously, we had heroin chic. So Kate Moss, Kurt yeah. Cobain was very much the look. And, and then it moved into Fight Club with Brad Pitt for men. Mm-hmm. Um, it being, you know, with the six pack abs, rough, um, hardcore, you know, like strong masculine energy again. And that's still somewhat the look, but yeah. it's, you know, there's, there's been different emergence from, from that, but still, it, it really goes back to the fight club for men still today in this, you know, time. And then for women, we had, you know, pop culture with Britney Spears coming out, her long blonde hair and very athletic, but very firm, tight body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now, obviously, as you mentioned a, a couple moments ago, the Kardashian look yes. uh, with first Kim Kardashian and more so now with Kylie Jenner. And and what's interesting is that for Kylie Jenner, we're seeing cosmetic enhancements. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about weight loss and dieting. It's about changing your, your appearance, mm-hmm. you know, um, permanently and or using, I don't know, I'm just gonna like lip injections or Botox yeah. fillers to to have at least a certain time period to change your appearance. And that is new because when we look at, you know, earlier 1920s, 40s, 50s, there, there was nothing really dominant about cosmetic procedures. It was just, you know, using garments or, you know, supplements yeah. or starvation, but now we're adding a whole new piece. So and then with social media, with all the apps, I mean, we're seeing um, like these apps being used for yearbook photos. So instead oh of just going to somebody to take your photo for your yearbook for your high school, there's now professional photographers that will take your photo and then edit it so that you have fuller lips, you have smoother skin, oh, you have fuller I hair. I did not know this. Are you you have more of a chisel. Yeah, you have a more chiseled face. You know, if it's for men, more squ- a square jawline. So it's really interesting. I mean, it, it's scary. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's just scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get ads sometimes, and from the app Facetune, which I believe mm-hmm. people are still using, but like, yeah. you can literally like morph your entire body in an image and then post it to social media it's wild to me and I say that because I actually went through a phase a few years ago where I was doing that consistently and it wasn't super dramatic but it was definitely like smoothing my face and making tweaks Mm -hmm. on my thighs and my arms and my jawline to make myself look a specific way and I, I like got into this anxious cycle of like I couldn't even post a photo unless I had edited it and nobody else could post a photo of me unless I like fully approved it you know and this I had to really break it down for myself a few years ago like why was I doing why am I doing that what's going on what's underneath here what are the things I don't love about myself what does God say about those things I mean it's a whole there was a whole journey but that influence from social media is so big you know and there's a pressure when you see everybody else doing it I mean like we it's so easy through filters now to look like amazing on social media (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. And I totally agree. I mean, we I think it's very common for so many of us to, you know, go with what we're constantly seeing, Mm -hmm. because that's, that's part of the culture, right? So we just go along with what we're seeing. Um, So we will see it with like homogeneity. So you'll see teenagers, like they'll dress alike, you know, group of girls come in, and they all have the same shorts or the same style of hair, or all the boys will look the same. And, and, and we know this from, you know, cultural norms, um, this homogeneity effect, but it also happens with social media. So you'll even see sometimes even like the same content being put out there and it's like, okay, this is the same message, but really just kind of worded a little bit differently, but nonetheless, it's the same message or with influencers, Mm. they're all focusing on this 
same, I don't know, topic or body part or look. So true. Yeah. It's really common. So if that's, if that's something that we're constantly seeing, then we think, oh, like I should do this too. But then we don't recognize the ramifications and the repercussions that come with that. And then the messages that we are subliminally sending to our, to ourselves about our body. Like I don't like my thighs, so I'll use this app and I'll make them thinner or, um, my hands are too big. So I'll make my hands smaller. Um, you know, whatever, whatever feature it may be. Yeah. Hey friends, so I want to take a quick break today in our incredible conversation to share with you about our amazing sponsor for this episode. And something you should know is that I really only agree to sponsorships with brands and businesses that, first of all, I just really love and believe in, and then second of all, that I actually think will be really helpful for you. So that being said, today's podcast is brought to you by Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a faith-based online therapy network that is a part of the larger BetterHelp community. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you've probably picked up on the fact that I am a huge fan of therapy personally, especially in our singleness and dating seasons. Let's work on all these things before marriage, okay? But not only that, I especially love therapy that incorporates Christian principles, prayer, and spiritual practices. Through Faithful Counseling, getting connected with an affordable Christian therapist is so easy. All you guys have to do is fill out a form about yourself and your needs, and Faithful Counseling will connect you to a fellow believer within their network of licensed professional counselors. Once you are quickly connected to a therapist, you can start communicating in under 24 hours. You can log into your account at any time and send your therapist a message and get really timely and thoughtful responses back. You can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions and do all of it from the comfort of your home. And might I add, in your most comfy attire. Winning! Now, I've been doing therapy virtually for over a year now, and I just love it. Now, another benefit of using Faithful Counseling is that there is such a broad range of expertise in the Faithful Counselor Network that may not be locally available wherever you live. So that's another great perk about Faithful Counseling. And then the last cherry on top is that a lot of people don't do therapy because of the cost, but Faithful Counseling is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. So guys, if you've been looking to try out therapy, but you're like one of these excuses, it's too costly, you haven't found the right person, or you don't want to go to the office, I want you to consider trying Faithful Counseling. And for Heart of Dating listeners, today you can get 10% off your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash heart of dating. All right, guys, that's it for now. Now back to the episode. So there's two things that's coming up for me. Like one, A, how do we figure out how to sort through all of this and find our own personal body respect? And then also B, which we can go into next, which is how is this affecting what we then expect from other people as well? Because I think that these subliminal messages not only affects how we are showing up, but then what we think other people should look like or what we deem to be attractive and all of that. So maybe we can start, I guess, whichever one you want to start with, Morgan, but I think kind of touching on both would be helpful now that we've like detailed out the problem. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, it's such, it's the, the main thing is to create the number one step is to create awareness. Mm -hmm. So really become conscious of, you know, how you talk to yourself and then how you are talking about others, like looking Mm -hmm. at your own judgment and biases you have about others. So, you know, for instance, I was just on the phone the other day with a good male friend of mine and he's single and he's, you know, good looking, successful, like a great, you know, full package. And I was like, Hey, how's it going? You know, in the dating world. And he goes, you know, I just, I'm not stimulated. There's no one I sit in front of that really stimulates me. Mm. Now this is a, a man. And, and while I adore him has a mental checklist in right. his mind of the women he comes in contact with. And I said, well, you know, it's interesting because you know, maybe the factor that needs to change is not the, is not the women, but how you're perceiving them, Mm. you know, how you are judging them, the, like, get rid of the the checklist and allow these women to show up, you know, authentically and imperfectly and be themselves. And maybe 
then you might get stimulated. And he's like, okay, I'm going to try it. You know, so he, <laughs> you know because right. I think that's it. You know, we have, um, you know, objectification mm-hmm. of ourselves and then we have objectification of others. Yes. So it's really important that we understand both lenses, the lens that we have of ourselves and the lens that we have of somebody else. You know, I, I tend to try to teach my patients to challenge your negative body image, you know, really look at the areas that you are struggling with. And then the second step would be to start listening and responding to your body. And what Mm -hmm. I mean by that is, you know, if you're hungry, eat, Um, you know, so many times, you know, if I'm hungry, you know, we'll be told like, oh, just drink water Um, (laughs) or, you know, chew gum or, you know, avoid, you know, only eat certain times of day. Or if I'm full, you know, I need to stop eating and not keep eating after my body's telling me I've had enough. And then another part is just really appreciating your body. So for what I say to people is, you know, move away from focusing on how your body looks and get back to appreciating what your body does. Mm. So I may not like the look of my legs, but what is, what do my legs help me to do? They help me to run. They help me to move. They help me to stand. They help me to you know, go hiking, go skiing, you know, like run after my children, play with my puppy, you know, appreciating what your body does for you. And then the fourth one I would say is really practice the pause, meaning practice pausing in those moments where you are struggling and giving yourself compassion, Mm. self-compassion. Self-compassion is, is really like showing up to yourself as if you were talking to one of your friends. So being kind, being your own cheerleader, you know, really nurturing yourself. And we see that there's so many benefits of self-compassion, not only from a mental health standpoint, but from also a physiological standpoint. Yeah, that's so good. Like I always say, you know, like don't say things to yourself that you never say to somebody else. Um, like I think when it comes to body, when it comes to a lot of things, we do this, but when a body image, it's like, oh my gosh, girl, like we say to ourselves, you look fat, you're too bloated, your face is this, or you're not toned enough here, or your butt doesn't look good. And we'd probably literally never say that to somebody else, <laughs> you know, but we right. are telling ourselves those messages all the time. <laughs> Yes. And that means that it's like the first thing we're thinking about when we show up. I mean, at least it is for me. If I'm like, I don't feel confident in this outfit. I don't like the way I look. Then like it immediately impacts how I'm able to connect with the other person because I may be talking to the other person, but subconsciously I'm thinking about what are they looking at right now? Do they notice this thing that I'm really self-conscious of, you know, and it just like it over dominates our entire thinking. Absolutely. You're exactly right. It it takes over our mental attention mm-hmm. because instead of being genuine and authentic in our interaction with the other person, we are hyper-focused in on whatever feature we are feeling insecure about. Mm-hmm. So true. So we're hiding our stomach. We're hiding, you know, a, like a body feature, or even maybe it's a blemish on your face or acne. Yeah. I, I had psoriasis when I was in my twenties and I lived in Florida at the time and there was really no way I could cover up because it was so hot out. So I had horrible skin, different like white and red patches all over my arms and my extremities. And I I actually went and consulted with a doctor about it. But what ended up happening is for me to really come to peace with my skin and being able to work through my own insecurities. Um, and so I really had to show up for myself and get myself to interact socially. And if people ask me like, what is that? I'd be like, Oh, it's psoriasis. You know, I've been stressed out. I've got finals and everything going on and it's a reaction to my stress and just means I really need to up my self care. And it really opened the door up for really great conversations about how many of us were really stressed. Yeah. So um, it's really important. It's it can it can be so many different factors. It may not be something that we can even try to control. Maybe it's something genetically that we yeah. were born with right. that you know really has been a source of stress. But then looking at okay, how do I make peace with this? How do I you know, come to terms with what God and life has, has given to me. I feel like that's the question I keep asking myself, like, okay, uh, what standard, what is my actual beauty ethic and how has God uniquely created me and how Mm -hmm. can I come into alignment and to peace with that, which is the constant process. I feel like 
I don't know if we ever arrive at like this perfect, I think I'm beautiful forever concept, you know, like I think we're constantly working on it because our bodies probably are constantly changing throughout time, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I love what you just said, because that's, that's, there's an idea out there that we should weigh what we weighed when we were, you know, 17 years old. Oh my gosh. Like I should still fit into, you know, the jeans that I wore in high school and I mean, if you do, that's fine, but it's not something I should be like a goal of mine. Oh my you know, gosh, 100%. Right? Like th- there's other goals for me to really put my time and energy and mental resources into not fitting into my high school genes needs to be one of them because it takes away from my ability to create, to serve others, mm-hmm. to put myself out there. And that's really what our purpose is. Yes. You know, like we are, you know, God's messengers. We're, we're here to help serve. And I yes. think that- that's really the, like why I went through what I went through with my own eating disorder, with my own struggles. is So mm-hmm. I could, you know, help and talk to other women and men that, that struggle and, and let them know that they're not alone. Yeah. You know, what was happening for me just a few years ago is I went through some autoimmune, major autoimmune imbalances and issues in my body would constantly fluctuate in weight. And I, that was the time where I got cripplingly like aware of my image in front of other people mm-hmm. and started mm-hmm. editing my photos. And I was so self-conscious because I felt like I couldn't, I was out of control of my body. What ended up happening, having to happen is I had a really question my own intentions like why am I not going out tonight why mm-hmm. am I editing this photo um, why am I going on this extreme diet why am I feeling this way in a certain date like what are my intentions and why I'm doing things and and how I'm showing up because if I am trying to figure out my health imbalances if I'm on a diet or if I'm trying new health regimen for the fact that I just feel unhealthy and I want to get to health and that's a good that to me is a good intention but if I'm doing all this because I'm like so cripplingly scared of like what other people are seeing, that it's not a good intention. You know, the intention is based in fear. And these are a lot of the conversations I had to have with myself and just check-ins like, okay. And we talk, you kind of talk through this, like the awareness and all of that and pausing and giving myself compassion. But like, what, why was I showing up in those ways and how could I align the reasons for why I was doing things with like healthy reasons, you know, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, it makes really great sense. And I love that you took the time to explore mm-hmm. and, 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 and through that self exploration, we get to know ourselves even yeah, deeper and yeah. a much, much deeper, more intimate level. Mm-hmm. And so many of us, you know, just go through autopilot on a daily basis yeah. and we let our ego get in the way And I would imagine there's been so many of your listeners that have had their own, you know, trials when it comes to times in their life where their body weight fluctuated because of whatever reason that whatever, because of the season that they were in. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it's beautiful that you were able to, you know, get in tune with yourself and just be able to really befriend yourself again. And that helps build that body trust and respect. Yeah. And what I will say with this too, and thank you for saying that, it's so beautiful to my heart. It also in tandem affected how I saw other people too, you know, because I do think that body image affects also what we expect within dating, which we kind of talked about through unrealistic standards, through culture media, through porn, right? And like, and for me, it also affected how, what I was open to in terms of attractiveness, in terms of what somebody else looked like. Um, Once I had more grace and compassion for myself. How do you think, Morgan, that we can do that more um, for people? Mm Because I think what you said earlier about the example with the guy, you know, he's like, nobody is stimulating. Well, I find that a lot of guys I talk to and I love them, but they're guys who are like, I have all these standards of like the Bible loving girl I want. And she has to basically look like a supermodel. Whether or not they say she needs to look like a supermodel, their standard for that is that, you know? And I'm like, uh, okay. And of course, I don't want to discount that you need to be attracted, but I feel like there's like this hyper extreme (laughs) that happens on both ends. Women do it as well. But how do we have more grace, more of an open mindset in in what we expect in terms of body image from other people? Oh, this is such a great question. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to gather my thoughts. So when it comes (laughs) to women, what I try to educate women on is the least important thing about you is how you look. Mm. Like it's the least interesting thing about you. So you have to develop more areas than just your appearance. I think for women, 
we put so much of investment, like even financial investment and time into our appearance that we, we miss out on developing other parts of ourselves. And then with men, it's about understanding that the woman's appearance is the least interesting thing about her mm. and to start asking her and entertaining and getting to know the other parts of herself that make her wonderful, that make her who she is. Mm. And we really need to move away, both genders, move away from diet culture, mm. which worships thinness and equates it to health and moral righteousness. Right. Gosh, mm -hmm. I was just researching this actually, and I know the Victoria's Secret fashion show canceled their fashion show yes. it last year, which I was like super <laughs> pumped about because yes. I was looking at this and I was like, gosh, like the history of not only just the, the runway show, but then also like we had in the past, like really idolized the fact that the women would have babies and then like weeks later be on the runway, tan, mm. perfectly thin. And it was like, oh my gosh, what is, who is saying that that is something to be praised? You know, like- I don't right. even know how healthy that is. And it was terrible. I'm like, that. this makes me depressed thinking about that. Like, I think that everyone's body type is so different too in genetics and like, great, but I can't measure what that her genetics or whatever in her life allowed her to get to that place compared to what I can do. And, and what even says that that's like the best part about me. But I just hate that we kind of have idolized things like that. I think what you're saying is so great. Like for women, understanding your appearance is the least attractive part of you and for men understanding that as well you know like and I think this is collectively like how do we encourage each other to do that how do we do work on that for ourselves and how do we challenge ourselves in dating my process has been if I can look at someone and say I objectively think they're attractive in some way maybe I'm not like ooh, I want to make out with this person at first glance but if I'm like oh I find them to be in a like somewhat of an attractive human being and I'm interested to know more about their like soul and their character and who they are then I'll say yes to a date like a hundred percent I don't have to be like oh my gosh they're like drop dead the most handsome thing I've ever seen on the planet you know well exactly and it's about diversifying what we are being subjected to yes. with the media images so mm, for women it's diversifying if you're on social media and that's where you see most of your images then you need to diversify what you're looking at. Yeah. So, you know, seeing a thin, you know, white woman or a thin young woman or whatever you're looking at, you know, that, that can't be your only representation because then yes. you're going to equate that, that that's how everybody looks or should look. And that's what people are only attracted to. Mm -hmm. And, and it's so important that we recognize that the women that are out there and men that are influencers, you know, they're getting paid <laughs> to sell you a product, to sell you whatever it is, or they're sponsored. I mean, this isn't just something that they're just doing for fun. Right. And, you know, there's a whole business behind this. It's a multi, multi-billion dollar industry. And so as a consumer, I really try to educate my patients to understand like the power is in actually your hand. You can choose what you look at and what you don't look at. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I did for myself, I mean, I was a huge, you know, back in my day, it was all magazines yeah. and I loved magazines and I would, I mean, I would read them obsessively hoping to look like the girl that was doing the tone your arms in 10 days. Right. And, you know, I told myself, well, if I do these moves for 10 days, like I'm going to look like her. And no, I'm not. I'm never going to look like her. Mm. And I don't need to, but that's what I was being sold. Yes. Because even if I did do the workout, which I did do genetically, I'm not going to look like her. And, and it's important to recognize that we need to honor our own body shape and strength and appearance the way that it is. And while those exercises can be helpful, they, they're not going to promise me what they are selling. Right. It's so true. And then on the flip side, I think that's so important also for men too. It's like, what are you guys consuming about what a woman should oh, look like? Men's <laughs> health and fitness and all like they're, they're, mm -hmm. all that is all the supplementation, the, mm -hmm. you know, the counting of how much protein you're getting, the amino yeah. acids, your branch chains. I mean, it goes <laughs> on and on. Like for men, I mean, when I work with men, around body image, I, I, I basically say to them, look, you probably know more than me when it comes to nutrition. Mm. And I'm not a nutritionist. I'm, you know, a psychologist, but you study it way more than I do. And I don't need you to learn more. I need you to unlearn. Mm. I need you to let go of the programming and start to 
trust your body again to let you know when it's had enough and yeah. not fear bread. I mean, bread is not the enemy. If your body can digest <laughs> all the protein shakes and supplements and you know whatever you're taking in, trust me, your body can find a way to digest bread. Unless, of course, you have some you know horrific allergy. I'm not negating that, but yeah, it's it's just it's so convoluted. And I think that comes with having compassion for ourselves. I'd love to talk even more about having compassion because that's a thing for me. If one night I eat pizza and then the next day I'm going to like live in a dark shame because I had pizza the night before, then there's something it's destroying the way I function and show up every day. So yeah. it's like, how do we continuously fight for having compassion for ourselves, having grace, having, you know, an understanding that like, yeah, during my time of the month, I gain fluctuation weight because of of hormonal issues and that's just the way it is you know and my body has changed so no I can't look like I won't look like the way I did six or seven years ago when I had like a, almost six-pack abs like it's just mm-hmm. I mean I could get abs but it's not going to look exactly the same you know I was 15 20 pounds lighter and my body just has changed through so many elements and so continuously having that self-compassion what are other things anything else just on the area of self-compassion Morgan that you would suggest for people Well, I mean, as you were talking, I was just thinking that like, isn't that amazing that our bodies are able to respond and help us stay alive in the season that we're in, whether we're battling depression or going through grief and loss or going through a miscarriage or going through, you know, losing our job, you know, our bodies show up for us on a daily basis. Mm. And, you know, it makes me think back to like, you know, there's been people that have left my life. And the one thing that's never lo- left my life is my body. Yeah. It's, it's done its best to always be there for me. And no matter how badly I've treated it and, and mistreated my, my body. And I think that that in of itself is just showing compassion. Mm. And I, and I would believe that it's very difficult for men, especially to show themselves compassion because they're it's looked at as weak or unattractive or what's, you know, what's wrong with you, be a man, you know, man up, you know, all these horrific messages that culture has spun to men and men are so emotional. I mean, I work, some of my patients, my male patients are some of the most successful, amazing men. And I think that the beauty of therapy is that they get to come into a space that's confidential where they can just dump and allow themselves to, you know, be emotional Mm -hmm. and know that it's in a safe space where they can receive support and compassion. And my hope is that, you know, that therapeutic setting can serve as the microcosm of their real world and the macrocosm of their, their daily life. Mm. Um, because it, I mean, there's so many men that come in here and get to my office and just will start to cry Yeah, and they're like, Oh my God, I I've never cried about this. I've yeah. never allowed myself to be sad. And I'm like, what a gift, what a gift you are giving to mm. yourself in this moment, because it is, I mean, the compassion is just being seen, allowing yourself to be seen and be heard. Yes having the freedom to do that. And mm-hmm. I I think that for men listening, especially to like, gosh, how beautiful it is t- for a man to go to therapy. I've been saying this a lot mm-hmm. lately, but I'm like, hey, I'm more attracted by the fact that you go to yes. therapy than right? if you play basketball every week. Like, <laughs> I, I just like, I, because it shows me that you, great, if I want you to take care of your body, that's great. But like, I would rather you be also take care of your emotional health too Mm -hmm. (laughs) and your mental health. And that is so attractive to me. Like therapy is hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm like, I I, I say that to, uh, you know, the young girls and and men that I work with, I'm like, this is a good thing. Like, and, and it's great because a lot of my, my young adult men are excited to tell their girlfriends, you know, I went to my therapist today because they're getting good feedback. So I also think like, if you're in a relationship with a man and he's telling you or has a desire to go to therapy, like be a cheerleader, you know, like, yes, yes, exactly. Affirm that and be supportive. And, you know, that's so important too. Yeah. Um, Switching that narrative that it's okay for a man to cry and show emotion and be vulnerable, like switching that sort of that masculinity narrative a bit to be like, okay, it's not just the strength and no emotions and 
tough kind of mentality. It's, it's really about like showing your heart. (laughs) And so the more us women can affirm that and come alongside men who are doing that, I think that is going to be so that's so huge in this process. I mean, I try to the best I can. Anytime I see a man being vulnerable with me or just publicly, I'm like, I will individually go up to them either through a text, a call, a message, whatever, and be like, wow, I really appreciate your vulnerability. I see it. And I want to honor that because I know that in the culture today, it's really hard to do that. And so thanks for standing up. Thank you for admitting that you go to therapy. Thank you for crying. Like, Thank you Mm -hmm. for all of these things. Gosh, Morgan, this is such a good conversation and I'm just so glad we had this conversation. I know there's more we could say, but just because I think this is such a good starting point for people to really reflect on how is it that I've seen my body? What's contributed to that? How can I start breaking that down and have more body respect? And how can I change both how I see myself, but also how I start seeing others in dating too? And so Morgan, I ask everyone the same final question on every interview that I'm going to ask you now. What is your or final nugget of dating advice for the listeners today? Oh, I love this question. So my final nugget would be to love yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the main relationship, the most important relationship that you can have is the one that you have with yourself. Mm-hmm. And then once, you know, when you continue to appreciate and give yourself that compassion and self-love, you're going to be even more of an incredible partner to the person that you care about. I mean, that goes for all relationships, friendships, um, being a mother or a father, Mm. being a wife or or a husband or a son or a daughter. You know, the more that I take care of myself, the better I am for my children. The more that I prioritize, you know, my own mental health, the better I am as a therapist. You know, the better, the more that I invest and work on creating, you know, love and compassion for myself, the more that I can show up for my, my husband. Mm. So I really feel like that's such an important piece for us. So good. I love, I completely agree. And so for anybody who wants to connect with you, Morgan, or find out, I know you have some awesome programs and things. How do they connect with you and share about anything you might have going on right now? Yeah. So I had such an outpouring of people wanting to access my services, but being in Arizona, People were like, how do I, how do I learn from you? So I developed um, an online body image course and it comes with a workbook, which is really great because the workbook really helps you, guides you to follow along the the online course. And the course is Bye Bye Body Blame, How to Love Yourself Without Having to Lose Weight. And it's all about really what I went over, that four-step approach of clapping for yourself. So changing your negative thoughts, listening and responding, appreciating your body and practicing the pause. And it goes through the etiology. So you'll understand what a positive body image is, what a negative body image is, diet culture. And there's a research study about the Minnesota starvation study that showcases what happens when we starve our bodies that was done um, with Dr. Ansel Keys right after the war. Wow. And so um, it's really based in research, but also compounded with actual, you know, skills of development that you can practice anytime, anywhere. So um, once you buy the course, it's yours for free and it's audio and video. So you can listen to it at any time. And um, it's also a great course if you wanted to do it as like a study group. So if you got a group of friends that you could sit down and say, okay, we're going to do this together. We're going to take, you know, each section and, you know, study it. And then let's come back together, work through the workbook. Um, I've had several groups do that and that's been effective as well. So they can find that course through my website, www.scottsdalepremierecounseling.com. Or you can just go to my Instagram, Dr. Morgan Francis, and go to the link tree and the online body image course is right there. And um, I have all my podcasts up on my website. And also you can sign up for my email newsletter because I give lots of tips and tools through my email newsletter as well. Amazing. I love the idea too of doing it in a group. I'm like kind of thinking about that. I'm like, I should do that with friends because it's good for the accountability as well to say to like really, you know, when I'm doing a new like fitness routine, I always am like, do you want to do it together? Because it's just like (laughs) having that accountability to like really make sure every week we're checking in and seeing how each other feels, sharing the hard parts about it, like really coming to insight with one another. I love that idea to also do it like in a group, like gather some of your friends. Yeah, it's really powerful. So it's yeah, I'm glad. 
I love it. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for all your insight, all your wisdom, sharing so truthfully and just helping us out to like really figure out how to have a healthy body image and what the steps are and how to break it down. Something that I feel like pretty much every single person feels the weight of. And so I just appreciate all the work you're doing and all the things you shared with us today. Oh, thank you so much. It's been such an honor to be here and I really have enjoyed our conversation. So thank you for having me. My gosh, you guys, Dr. Morgan Francis is truly challenging our cultural norms and healing people all over the place. I am so grateful for her work. Please go connect with her because she is just doing phenomenal things. Now, if you've ever felt shame about your body or insecure about how you look, I bet that you are not the only one. I know that because for a fact, I'm with you. And this journey has been really difficult for me, but something that has helped has just to make really small, simple changes in my lifestyle. So I've started to go out of my house without makeup. I've started to embrace my body in a bathing suit without talking negatively to myself about it. I stopped making edits to my face and body and images that I posted online, and I even started posting more makeupless photos. Challenging myself in just these small ways and also keeping accountable to friends around me has started to transform how I see myself. This is all such a journey, but I'll tell you what, I feel so much more in love with myself, in love with my body, and that has affected how I actually show up on dates. And so my hope and prayer is that you really dive in deep to this as well, do the work and start challenging your mindsets and making small steps in a different direction. Love you guys, and I'll see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.